It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthews tonight as we bring you Talking Circles. We're going to break down the Real Heroes 400 tonight as Kevin Harvick got his 50th career win. We'll discuss all of the day's events. It was a a crazy day, a a different day for for racing fans. What we see, it started off uh, a little bit different. It started, Philip, and and let's get right to it. It started with some interesting news to start the day where it almost felt like normal again. Uh, cars, cars going through inspection early on, and Kyle Busch, number 18 team, uh, fails pre-race inspection twice. Uh, they had to start at the rear of the field. Kyle did, and he never really was able to, to grasp um, the race from that point forward. He didn't lead a lap. He really wasn't in the top ten all day. Uh, kind of a surprising day for that team. We'll dive into that a little bit later, but that's how it started. It sort of felt a little bit normal when you're on Twitter before the race, about two hours, three hours before the race, and you see somebody failing an inspection, you're like, oh, man, this this kind of feels normal. So it kind of got us into a little bit of a a racing mood, but it was still different. There was was very little pre-race coverage. There was no practice, no qualifying, um, and, you know, the drivers weren't allowed to go into the garage at all. What was your overall thought uh, about really everything that went on before the race and when everything got going there, um, you know, with no fans there and very little crew activity, what were your thoughts uh, before we started racing on everything that NASCAR did? Yeah, I mean, it, I was concerned, Clayton. I was just concerned about the people uh, going and the whole process of making sure they test out and everything is good from all initial indications. Everything is fine from what they did. Uh, that's nice being able to get these cars off the trailer and on the racetrack and basically have them ready to go. I mean, I think that what it speaks to and what we'll, we'll see in these next few days, hopefully weather permitting with these additional races might be a, a change towards what hopefully will be lesser, less time, uh, you know, for both, teams, drivers, for all people involved, which would actually be good for the sport, I think. I believe the actual presentation of the race wasn't horrible either, you know, for what Fox is and, and what the, for the people that had to go there. I mean, Rika Smith having to run the whole entire pit road. I think he was having to take some breathers because he was having to cover the whole entire pit road. Uh, credit to him. And it was, it was, I mean, of course, when you're looking around and there's nobody in the stands, it's weird when you consider that basically for the last 10 plus years, they've been leaking fans across the board at most racetracks. It's not that far off. Uh, the, the people like Kyle Busch going and failing inspection, it wouldn't be a cup race without a Gibbs car failing inspection. That's just kind of par for the course. Uh, you know, the Toyota, it was interesting with them. We'll get into deep diving on that. I mean, it, the race was what it, usually is for the 550 rules package too so that 
in its own right was was back to normal. Uh, there were things that were definitely different than what usually were, but you have Alex Bowman who signs a one-year extension and had one of the best cars in the racetrack. I mean, all the Hendrick cars, which I think we'll discuss in more detail, were out there, were really fast for the exception of Chase, really. And Kevin Harvick put a put a whooping on him, led more than half the laps, and uh, gets number 50, which is, uh, passes his car owner and ties two legends. So, I mean, it's nice to see racing back. They only really had to compete against the uh, skins in golf deal, and um, hopefully there'll be more racing to come here later this week. Yeah, uh, weather permitting, it, obviously, if you're not familiar with the scenario, we'll dive into that a little bit later, but weather not looking so hot for tomorrow and Wednesday at Darlington Raceway. Um, but, yeah, it was an interesting event. I mean, you know, and and – when I look at the first 30 laps, that to me is where the race felt a little bit different. You know, even Philip, when they did like a, uh, you know, an aerial shot of, of the racetrack, you look down and yeah. half of it was empty. You know, there was no fans, yeah. no fans, uh, motor coaches. That was very strange. And the racetrack just being so green, I mean, you don't realize how much practice and in the Xfinity Series race, it just makes the racetrack look darker. Um, it's just it's so natural when you have so much action on that racetrack and, and when a racetrack hasn't been touched for, you know, last time we raced there uh, was last September. So it's been a long, yeah. long time since we raced there and it was just so green. And, and there were, you know, once they got about 50 laps in, you really started to see the track. It started to look normal again. It was so clean and so green early on. That was interesting. And the action was hot and heavy. I mean, lap one, Philip, we saw a major accident. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Who, Gets a has a reputation for being over aggressive, goes out there and tries to make a full wide on the back stretch, uh, spins his number 47 car out into the inside wall. His day was done before he even came across the start finish line. Um, you know, a crazy day. But to me, that that was one thing that stood out for the first 30 laps. The other thing was just how far back Martin Truex Jr. was. I mean, and I don't know if how many people noticed it. TV kind of didn't really touch on it until later on in the event. But I was watching lap times. Truex was being passed by Daniel Suarez. He was being passed by J.J. Yaley. If that race had the competition caution, if that competition caution came at lap 40 instead of lap 30, Martin Truex Jr. was a lap down, and who, would, who knows what that would have meant to him. Um, so he was able to stay in the lead lap. They were able to work on that number 19 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. But to me, Philip, the first 30 laps, those are the two that, things that really stood out was just uh, Ricky Santos Jr.'s crazy accident on lap one and just how far off Martin Truex Jr. was. Yeah, I mean, oh, Richard going and wrecking is so on-brand. It's kind of, you know, it's a worn-out thing. I mean, that's just stupid. But I think that was kind of helped with Quinn Huff being somewhere where he shouldn't have been in the first place amongst other people. Uh, they're... I mean, that 30 lap, the, the modified competition yellow, actually, I think, is another thing that, you know, I think, say, honestly, that was, it, it was interesting. It wasn't as dramatic as it probably could have been, but it may be more of a deal at the short track, but it, and I think it's something that works, and it's a good idea. Uh, it definitely did save Martin Truex because he was lost. That car was dog crap off the trailer 
Um, and they were basically calling, I think, on TV and whatever, and people were calling for James Small's head for how bad that car was and how bad the season was. And then by the end of the race, this car is one of the faster cars out there, and you get the top picture. So Martin Truex, I think, you know, it, it isn't the start to the season that he wanted, but considering where that car was at 30 laps and where he ended up at 400 miles, it, it, he ended up being the top uh, Gibbs guy, which is, or, or no, he finished one spot behind. You know, that, that that was definitely interesting, uh, that his car was so bad at the start of the race. Uh, the other, the and I mean, it's something that we, I, I'm not, I don't think it'll be as bad on Wednesday for him uh, if they race, but it's been an interesting trend how things were for, for Martin so far this year without Cole Pern. Uh, as his crew chief, but I think over time it's going to turn around for them. I, I don't think he's going to be as prolific a winner as he was, but I think he'll be all right. I'm with you. It was it was shocking, and uh, you know they were able, like you said, they were able to write things. And really, Brad Keselowski led early, led the first 44 laps of the event, and then it became sort of the Alex Bowman show for a little while. He went out there and was pulling away from people. Then his tires went away a little bit, and then it became Something that we've seen at this racetrack and, and in this sport for a long, long time, Philip, and I said, oh, boy, here we go. That number 48 car coming up and, and making a move on his teammate, Alex Bowman. Looks like he's going to win the stage. Gets into a, a crazy accident. And, you know, I know Jeff Gordon was critical on, uh, I think it was Chris Busher there he got he yeah. got involved with there. And, and Jeff Gordon, who, for the record, uh, if people aren't aware, a former Hendrick Motorsports driver, former owner, still kind of owner of Hendrick he, Motorsports. So for him to be unbiased in, in that situation <laughs> is a little bit tough. Um, but, you know, to me, Jimmy was just a little bit impatient there. Uh, he, he looked like he had the, the stage pretty much won if he just let Busher, you know, go or not get as close to him to where he puts himself into a bad situation. He's all right, and who knows how that race turns out for him. But instead – uh, he gets it, and there's no doubt Bush's car wasn't handling. There's no question about that. Um, you know, he was 29th at the end of that stage, so yeah, he wasn't running good. But um, you know, Jimmy to me put himself in a bad spot, gets into a little bit of an accident, spins in the inside wall, and and ends his day after a, what was an impressive first 89 laps for Jimmy Johnson hits the inside wall, and that ends his day, and and it re- resulted in his teammate um, William Byron winning the first stage of the race. And and I think the most impressive two other two other cars in that stage, um, when you look at the stage results, was Tyler Reddick, who worked his way up from uh, way back in the field. He started 29th. He ended that first stage in eighth. And then Ryan Newman, who uh, started the race in 21st, he was ninth at the end of that first stage. And he hasn't been in a race car since February, so uh, since yeah. the Daytona 500. So that was really impressive. Um, but what were your whole thoughts on that first stage there, Jimmy Johnson's wreck and, um, you know, uh, William Byron winning the stage and really Reddick and, and uh, Newman putting on a show there? Yeah, I, the Hendrick cars, I mean, we, we've spent over a year since this show has been like three hosts or whatever talking about where Hendrick, how far Hendrick has fallen and where Jimmy has gone from his, you know, the, the peak of his career and 83 wins and seven championships. Yesterday was one of the first times I can remember in a long time where that was 
that Jimmy Johnson. Carr was that good. He looked like his old self. I mean, my bias aside, I had money on him because I had a feeling that he was going to have a good run, and he was having a good run, and I honestly believe he was going to win yesterday the way he was running early in that race because I haven't seen him run like that in a very long time. Jeff Gordon going and being biased because he's a Hendrick Schill is typical. That's what Fox, they hire shills for everybody. You know, like that's what all these TV people, they say. That's why Steve Lutart's on him. They need to have Andrew Schill. That's just part and parcel for what it is. Busher did nothing wrong. I think Jimmy was pressing there. He went and made a mistake. He, he end, ended up owning up to it. I think that's the first time for Jimmy in a long time that he's been up there. And even for somebody as accomplished as him, he pressed there and made a mistake. That was a definite stage when Will Byron ended up benefiting. I think it was the, the 48, 24, and 88 were all up there for a good portion of that first stage. And the nine was nowheresville for most of the day, really, until late. Uh, the fact is, in, and then the 24 ends up having problems, too. So, I mean, the 48 threw away what probably could have been number 84, on a day that somebody else had a historic win. And then the 24 had a chance, and Byron screwed that up, too. Bowman was able to hold things together, uh, make a good point today. Uh, I mean, in terms of the stage, I mean, also Reddick, I mean, to get from 29 with only one caution, I think. I don't know how many caution in that. Um, they had, yeah, they only had one caution during that, or two cautions during that stage, and to get up from 29th to, to the top 10 is something. And then you consider whatever, Newman as well, definitely, you know, that's something to look at, especially Newman after everything he went through. Brad had a car that was a clean air car, and once he lost the clean air, he couldn't do anything, and it got progressively worse as the day went on to finally finish. But the uh, 88 was one of the fast cars there. Kevin Harvick was just lurking uh, in the weeds uh, during the first stage, and then he kind of started coming on after that. Yeah, we didn't really see Harvick really uh, flex his muscles until lap 94. He took the lead from Alex Bowman. Uh, William Byron, you mentioned, you know, had a pretty good day. Lap 111, he crashed, uh, and his, he really ended his day, he came, you know, he was able to continue, but he was never really a factor after that. He ended up 35th. Um, you know, so that was a tough day for him, but, you know, as the race went on, it was pretty much Kevin Harvick's race um, to be, to be, you know, as you said, he dominated from that uh, that point forward, led 81 laps from lap 94 to lap 197. Then it was Kozlowski again. We saw Bowman in the lead for a little while, then Kozlowski again, and, and then it was Harvick the last 78 laps. He pretty much dominated. But, you know, you brought up some interesting points there, Philip, about the first stage of this race, and this is, was Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, uh, Alex Bowman, who, just like you said earlier, recently signed a one-year extension on that 88 car. He was overly impressive uh, again on on Sunday. And a guy who not a lot of people, myself included, kind of sat there and went, oof, when they hired him for that 88 car, he's proven that he, that he can really drive, at least in, in this year. He's really done well. Uh, Chase Elliott. You're right. He wasn't anywhere near the front, uh, the front top five really all day, but he ended up fourth. A pretty good points day for him. We saw some speed out of the 24, and you mentioned the 48. I mean, that was probably Jimmy's most impressive run, even though he crashed. 
that was probably his most impressive run uh, in, in about two or three years. Um, yeah. I guess my question to you is, well, do you see this continuing for Hendrick Motorsports as the year goes on? Now, I know it's sort of an awkward year. It's a little bit different. You won't have a lot of practice. They're not going to the exact tracks they thought they did. You know, I'm sure they probably can't do things as business as usual there for um, that, that Hendrick Motorsports organization. But right now it seems like they have a lot of speed. Do you think this is something that can continue for them? Yeah, I, I think that they're – I think it's it's a combination of they've made gains on their end. Excuse me, they've also – with Chevy finally, after I don't know how many body styles I've went through with this Camaro, they finally have something that works. Uh, and those two things together along with a Bowman who's a hungry guy. You have Chase Elliott who's the face of the team, uh, the – on, you know, like the the kind of, uh, I would say, he doesn't want to be the face of the team or the leader or the most, but he's the, he's the face. And then you have Jimmy who's on his final year. You know, I think there's a lot of energy going on there with Hendrick Motorsports. And they've been off basically for two years plus. And, uh, I mean, you can even go back to when Jimmy won his seven championship in terms of what his performance has been relative to what he did in the past. So it's a good it's a it's a good across the board deal for Chevy. Uh it, it but it's really good for people who are Hendrick Motorsports fans, especially if you are a fan of, of Alex Bowman, uh if you're obviously Clyde and even a fan of Jimmy. The way he ran yesterday is a good sign. I think he's going to be really chomping at the bit to run Wednesday night if they can and get up from tailback, as Rusty would say, because that car was fast. I think he'll be able – his goal probably will be to get to the top 20, and it isn't out of the realm to get to the top 20 by the end of that 30-last segment and – or whatever, whenever they decide to throw the competition yellow. But I think it's honestly a good sign. Uh, you know, you need to have all manufacturers kind of being there. And having Chevy being productive again is good uh, because there are Fords. Uh, Ford didn't have a great day outside of Harvick, um, and Brad led a lot of laps, but you know, the, those are the two, but there really weren't any other standout Ford for the most part. So there wasn't a greatest day for them. Uh, Toyota, of course, Darlington's one of their better racetracks. So even Kyle Busch was up there before he ended up hitting the wall and ending himself. And then he also had to pit for a week. So it, long story short, it's good. The, this little 550 package, it doesn't help with racing and passing. But it does. It has seemed to balance out and level out, at least at Darlington. Uh, it has definitely leveled the playing field for all three manufacturers. I'm more curious to see not what we see we'll see at Darlington again, but what we will see on Sunday during the Coke 600, uh, because that's going to be a very tough test. Uh, it always is, but it's going to be even more of an extreme test this year than. It has been in many years. Yeah, and I'll tell you the other story from this race that it's kind of been overlooked, and it shouldn't be. Um, and that's on my—that's on really my my fault there. 
is Kevin Harvick. I mean, he gets some credit, led 159 laps, uh, won his 50th race, and it's just so interesting his career fell up so far. Uh, he had, you know, I, I mentioned this on my Facebook, my personal Facebook yeah, page last did. night, just how different his career is now that he's joined Stuart Haas Racing. You know, do you realize that since he's joined Stuart Haas Racing now, he joined Stuart Haas Racing in 2014. Since then, he's finished outside the top three once in, point, in points, once, once. And that was in 2016. He won four races that year and finished eighth in points. Other than that, he's finished in the top three in points. He currently leads the points right now. He's got the win at Darlington. Five top ten finishes at all, every race this year. He's finished in the top ten. He's been incredible, and he just gets better with age. He's 44 years old, and, you know, not that you expect him to slow down, but it's just incredible to watch somebody who had such a long, you know, he was at uh, Richard Childress Racing for 14 years, and he had such a long career there, and he was good. He was competitive, but he wasn't, you know, what you would consider the most dominant driver in the sport. And to me, yeah. uh, he is up there with Kyle Busch as the most dominant driver in the sport the last five years. He's been great, and he goes out there and wins his 50th race. I mean, what else can you say about Kevin Harvick? He's been so he's been very very solid here, and another solid day and another win for him. Yeah, I mean, you him and Rodney Childers, that combination has been one of the great combinations in the history of the sport. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of of Tony Stewart and Greg Zipidelli, in that they. I mean, you consider Rodney Childers used to race himself. Then he was a crew chief for so many different drivers over the years through the ranks. And he became, I mean, he took Rudy to wins in the Cup Series for MWR, uh, and that team was a waste. And and you now he, and he made the decision to come to work for, for Tony. And Tony said to Kevin, I'm going to win. I'm going to make sure you win a championship. I'm going to get the people that you need. I mean, minus the fact that Pit Crew. I mean, his Pit Crew had his mo- had great pit stops and they had a couple of bad ones. Uh, outside of that, I mean, if they can get the Pit Crew together consistently and you can have this combination, there's, he has 50 wins. They've left wins on the table over all these years. Tony made it his job. He wanted to get his boy in one of his cars, and now the goal is to get and to get forward another championship so that that partnership gets all and keeps going the way that it is. I mean, for that stat that you posted about, he's won once every eight races. I mean, considering what Harvick was doing for 14 years at Richard Childress and then coming to Stuart Haas, and he's left wins on the table, left wins on the table, and he's won once every eight races. I understand why he decided to re-sign through 2022, 2023, or whatever. He's, he's going to keep on going because Tony's And that's the only car that has full funding anyway, outside of the outside of uh, Smithfield, which is the Chinese manufacturer. And you know, so he's not going anywhere because he wants Keelan to. He wants to be able to afford Keelan's racing career. Um, <laughs> but that's unbelievable that he. I never thought in a million years that we'd be talking about Kevin Harvick, you know, in the same number of wins as Tony, let alone Ned Jarrett and James Johnson. But he's going to go past mm-hmm. both of those guys. He's going to be probably, if it keeps on going kind of at the rate that he's going, he's going to pass Rusty Wallace this year. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that 
at the start of 2014 that he would be passing Rusty Wallace and he'd be in line for possibly two championships. Could be more, theoretically, considering how they haven't had the greatest luck at, at Homestead, but now they don't really have to worry about it. But it's unbelievable, to say the least. And it's what Tony wanted uh, as an owner to have a lead dog like Kevin Harvick and get a great crew chief like Rodney Childers, and he's trying to match that as he goes along yep. to the rest of this organization. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about that is what you said earlier a little bit, where um, you know he's 44 years old and you know he just re-upped. How can you retire when you're you're in a the best spot you've ever been in in your career by far, and you just keep on winning? If you're competitive, keep on going. I mean, who knows where he'll be in three years? Maybe he'll latch on for another two if he's competitive. Who knows? You know, uh, we've seen guys be very very competitive into their 50s in this sport. Mark Martin comes to mind, Bobby Allison, Harry Gant. So, uh, you know, that that's a lot to ask somebody, especially in modern-day NASCAR. But, listen, Harvick and Childers together have been lethal. And uh, another performance like that on Sunday. Um, you know, you go down to running order here. You know, we had Kevin Harvick winning. It was Alex Bowman second. We talked about him. Kurt Busch, a good day in third. You know, he was kind of outside the top ten for most of the day, but came home third a solid day. We talked about the Hendrick cars, Chase Elliott in fourth. Uh, Denny Hamlin fifth and Martin Truex Jr. sixth. You know, you brought up a good point, Philip, and, and you're right to and to an extent where um, JGR had a pretty decent day. When you look at the finishing results, you know, Hamlin was fifth, Truex was sixth, Eric Jones finished eighth, and you mentioned about Kyle Busch. Uh, he ended up running, uh, finishing in the 26th position, but he came in on pit road on the last uh, green flag stop, an unscheduled pit stop due to a loose wheel. Uh, but you know, they didn't really lap all day, and, you know, they were good. There's no question Truex found it at the end of the race, I and mean, he was way better than what he was early in the race, but they never really contended for a lead. They never really were up there. I mean, Hamlin was in the top five, I'd say, for a good part of the race, but they never really were the top dog for any point in that race, uh, and it's just a little bit alarming when you see a team be so far off, even Kyle Busch. You know, Kyle was good. But Kyle usually works his way – if he started in the rear, usually about lap 50 or 60, he's in the top 10. That really wasn't the case at all, and he didn't get any stage points either in this race. So a little bit of a, of a I think, a disappointing day for Joe Gibbs Racing at the end of it when you look at it. And I know they end up good with three cars in the top 10, but I thought, you know, this is a team who usually gets a lot – capitalizes on all the stage points uh, and, and really capitalizes on a great day. And they were good. There's no question. I think Hamlin was the, the car that beat as the best Joe Gibbs car all day long. But uh, certainly there were parts in that race where they really struggled. Are you concerned at all, or do you think this is just sort of something that with this way this race played out with no practice and no qualifying, that they sort of just got a little bit off and, and no rebound? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I would say that the 18 going and failing inspection didn't help them any, and he made progress, Bush, but, you know, other mistakes compounded, and they, they there was something going on with all them Toyotas, Clayton, where they were having loose wheels. I don't know if there's been, like, what is it, Eric Jones got, his crew chief uh, got nailed. Uh, uh, they went and announced something. Uh, they announced the suspension for his crew chief, I think, for loose lugs. They were having loose wheels, too, which ended up getting Kyle uh, the 19 car was out in the woods, um, you, and then 
Hamlin was up there is when you consider that all four of those drivers have won the Southern 500 uh, in whatever form you want to call it. Uh, they, the fact that they weren't up there was was noticeable, but in the in the sense of where they were starting or what where they were relative to the four and the eighty eight car and the Andrew cars, wasn't that shocking? I, I I mean Eric Jones had moments, but he wasn't the fastest car out there. He didn't have as good of a piece. The Hamlin was up there in the first stage, and then they kind of went away, kind of fell off. And Hamlin is doing exactly the same thing he did, you know, at times last year, where he'd kind of go away for a few weeks, and then he'd show up in other weeks and win. That's kind of what he did, and then they spit the bit at homestead. Kyle Busch, he knows he doesn't have to show up for all the races, and he can win a championship. He knows that he can show up for all the races, have a bunch of bad ones, and still win the championship. So now it's kind of like, what challenges are really at? I mean, the fact that him and Adam Stevens couldn't make something happen is weird. But who's really... In the end, it's it's when you bring it all together, Gibbs ain't going to go away. I would I would say that when they come back on Wednesday, if they can race, that Toyos will be back up front and doing what they have to do. And they'll definitely be up front during 600. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think it, it's certainly a uh, – it's nothing to be alarmed about if you're a Toyota fan, but I just thought it was interesting. You know, they just weren't – they were just a, a, maybe a half a step behind, you know, Hendrick guys and maybe Kevin Harvick there, uh, and that's just a little bit something that you don't really see from that team. Usually there's a guy up there who usually competes for the lead or, or you know, uh, leads some laps and has a pretty good day, uh, but they were all sort of just, just half a step behind. Uh, but if you look at position seven through ten, and, and this is a new segment we're going to do here on Talking Circles, racer of the uh, driver of the day or driver of the race, um, and you know seven through ten, I think there's three drivers who could be nominees for driver of the, of the race. Seventh place, Tyler Reddick. Go on all night about how, how impressive Tyler Reddick's been in these last two races. Uh, another impressive day for him. Seventh place, Eric Jones was eighth, and then you have John Hunter Nemechek and Bob Jenkins is number thirty-eight Ford. Um, rookie contender at Darlington going out there and putting on an impressive show, finishing in the ninth spot. And then, of course, you got Matt Kenseth, who hasn't run in over a year. I know he's got 39 wins and he's a champion, and everybody sort of expected him to do that. You know, Matt wasn't great throughout the day. There was times where that car was 15th to 18th, and they were fading. But they were able to work on it, get a little bit better, ending up in the 10th spot. And I think if you told Chip Ganassi and that 42 team, hey, you know, Matt Kenseth's going to come, and he's going to race for it, and he's going to finish 10th in his first race to sign up for it. Because it was just, especially with no practice and no qualifying, um, with everything that was going on there, he was kind of put in a tough spot. So a, a good, solid day for Matt Kenseth as well. Uh, but of those three, really, Eric, uh, excuse me, if Tyler Reddick, John Hunter-Nemechek, and Matt Kenseth, which one gets your award for driver of the day there, Philip? I'm going to go with my bias, and it's something that I've said. I, we said it offline, and it's something that I've been saying ever since I've been on this show. I've kind of been a mark for Tyler Reddick. Uh, I, the, the fact that it's something Matt even said it in his driving ability and his talent and skill, Tyler Reddick is showing that RCR has good equipment. Uh, it, 
Tyler Reddick is showing that he longs in the cup here. And he's making it hard on old Austin Dillon to, to come up with excuses anymore. Uh, the RCR group in general is made has made progress. I mean, even the secondary teams of 13 and the 43 were running around the top 20. Usually they'd be closer to 30th. Now they're running around 20th. So the main cars have made a big difference. They've made a big step. And I think it's mainly because Pop Pop likes Tyler Reddick. Uh, I think Tyler, Pop-Pop has had a, the way he talks about him, the way he looks when he's around him, there's something about Tyler Reddick that reminds him of certain other people he used to have in his race cars. And I think he sees a future where RCR can get back to the top again with Tyler Reddick. And that's something that is a positive. You have Andy Petrie there has been through the whole ringer in the sport. He knows how to get good people. They're putting things pieces in place, and they have a driver now uh, in, in that can bring them forward. And in, in now the two-time Xfinity champion two different teams, and, uh, somebody uh, who really has the potential to take off, and uh, that's, that's Tyler Reddick. That's, that's my pick. I mean, obviously, the other two guys definitely – a shout-out for sure. Yeah, totally. I, You know, I think John Hamilton gets my pick just because of the fact that, you know, we've seen RCR perform and run in the top ten a lot. You don't see that hardly ever on a on a non-restricted play track for front-run motorsports. And so for John Hamilton to go out there and do what he did, uh, very, very impressive. There's no question about that. And uh, especially because he blew away his teammate Michael McDowell from his 23rd. Um, you know, it just – it was a really, really good day. Now they probably had some track position. I'm sure they got a lo- couple lucky breaks, but that's part of it. I mean, that's part of it. Track position, uh, strategy, and put yourself in the right spot. That's part of racing here in 2020, whether you like it or not. You know, not the fastest car doesn't always win. I even think Harvick for t- this week. You know, he got in clean air, and once he got in clean air, he was good. I don't think in traffic he was the fastest car, uh, but in clean air, I think he was great and hard to yeah. catch. You know, so that's racing here in 2020. Uh, but John Hernandez deserves some credit. Absolutely, he's a rookie going to Darlington for the first time in a Cup car. Did a great job. Um, There's no doubt. Last year, I think hurt him a little bit as far as um, you know being a, a guy who is viewed as a next superstar in this sport. But you got to remember, GMS shut down their Xfinity Series program at the end of the year. I'm not sure how committed they were, especially halfway through the year with that 23 car a year ago. So. John Hunter took this ride, and if he can do this and, and, and get a couple of t- knock, knock, knock a couple of top tens, he'll be back in that conversation as far as the driver who can be the next future of NASCAR. There's no question about that. And Matt Kenseth, too, listen, you know, I know he's a veteran. I know he's great. I know he's got tons and tons of experience. There's no question about that. But it's a hard, hard deal to jump into somebody else's race car that was built for them uh, and with no practice and very little simulation time to go out there and, and be competitive like he was and finishing the 10th spot, it's a great day for him. So, you know, I'm sure they learned a ton, and uh, and they showed exactly what they can do. Um, and maybe even for Wednesday, uh, they'll be they'll be in a really good shape. But I think for John Hunter and for Matt Kenseth, Phillip, uh, it was a good day for them as well. 
Yeah, I mean, for John Hunter, his first career top 10 in the Cup Series is a great point you brought up, Clayton, where you're, where GMS, I don't think, was truly committed to the Xfinity program. I, I don't think they ever really were. They were really a truck series program, and it shows where they have four trucks right now. Uh, the fact that John Hunter, it didn't go so well with him, I also look at how he's driven and his style, and I think he did work in trucks where his dad, it's his dad's team, and Jerry Kennan, and, and I think two other people. And I mean, he did work with like five people, including, or five or six people, including himself, and he won races against bigger teams. And I think maybe with the 550 package, it kind of fits his style better with the cup car versus the Xfinity car, which is very low downforce. And for John Hunter, too, he's one of those guys, I mean, Ganassi likes him. He's a guy that some people, it depends on who you ask or who you, what you think. He's had his moments where he's done some dumb stuff. He's had some moments where he's done great things. Kid knows how to drive a race. And he's really got a lot of talent. His dad has done everything in his power to try to put him in a position to make it. And he's taken this role at front row. And unlike a lot of previous drivers there, and maybe it's a they've made game. Maybe it's him. I don't know. He has taken this opportunity. He's moving this, the moving the needle for that organization. He's bringing them forward. What that means in the long run, I don't know. He's pro- if it, it probably means one or two things. Either he stays there and they take a climb forward or he ends up getting hired by one of the bigger teams and is able to kind of continue on that building, uh, continue building blocks there. Kansas, I mean, he won He won super late model races last year. He was running a handful of races. He was staying in shape. The thing I thought about yesterday about Kenseth was if the previous driver of the car was in that car with some of the issues that Kenseth was having, they would have probably knocked the right side off of it. They would have probably been either laps down in the garage or out. Kenseth took what he had and took got a top 10 finish out of it. That's the difference that you get from a veteran. You get the, from a veteran and uh, somebody who is uh, one of the best that's been in many years, uh, over recent years. And so it, it's something to be seen what how that progresses as the season goes on. Well, sure. I mean, there's no question. I, I think you talk about John Hunter and check, and there was he was aggressive at times last year in Xfinity. Um, I agree with that, but you know, I think he had to be if he wanted to be competitive. So, and, and that's part of what the Xfinity series is for: make mistakes and learn from them, uh, and push the envelope if you want to. So, you know, I had no problem with that, and, and hopefully he can take that. Now it's one race, and I don't want to get too crazy over one race, but very, very impressive run for him. Uh, if you look at the running order through 11th through 20th, I just kind of want one name that. You're, uh, if, if anybody you're concerned about in this from uh, 11 through 20th, and, and I'm going to give you a rundown and give you a couple of tidbits that I, that I noticed from the race, but then I'm going to get Phillip's opinion on this. Um, 
Austin Dillon was 11th, a, a decent day for him. Uh, you know, he was overshadowed by his teammate again. 12th was Eric Amarola. He was kind of there all day. Kozlowski led, you talked about it earlier, Philip, about Brad being out in clean air and, and really wasn't great after that. Uh, Matthew Benedetto was sort of just there all day as well. Ryan Newman had flashes of, of, of brilliancy spun. You know, he's able to come home 15th. That's a, that's a decent day for that six car. Get his first race out of the way. Get his feet wet back into a stock car again. And then we'll see what we can do Wednesday. I don't think there's any issues with that. Ryan Blaney didn't do anything all day. I mean, he forgot even was there. He was sort of 15th, you know, uh, 12th to 20th all day there, floating between there. Border had a decent car early, ended up 17th, not a great day. Uh, Joey Logano, same deal with him as, as his teammate Blaney, uh, just sort of there but never really um, contending for a, a, a solid day. A, night, a decent day for Ty Dillon. That's an improvement for that team in 19th. And I thought Ryan Priest, he ended up 20th, but there was times where that car was in the top 10. Uh, and, and showing and, and really fighting for a top 15 run. Uh, it didn't end up great for him, but for what Ryan Priest has done in the past in the in the Cup Series, that was a step in the right direction. Maybe he can take some of that momentum uh, and stuff that he's learned and, and really build on it. So is there anybody for you, Philip? 11 through 20, if you got some big names in there, mentioned Blaney, Kozlowski, Logano, Boyer, um, Eric Amarola even now, you know, Pete Benedetto, some names in there that a lot of people are familiar with. Is there one driver you look at in that top 20, 11 through 20, and, and that you're concerned about at all? Because, you know, uh, even the, uh, aside from Kozlowski, as you mentioned, you know, Team Penske did have a great day out there on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where I'm going, Clayton. I'm, I'm going with Blaney. I mean, he was completely – he was he was in witness protection uh, yesterday. Uh, there was no – sign of that 12 car uh it was completely hey, when i was talking about truex was out to lunch the 12 car was nowhere uh and that's something to me that when you consider blaney of course he only he has one top five this year and he's had he's run better than his results show this was the first race i think for sure that they were nowhere and that and you can make the case that with Todd Gordon and Joey Logano over the many years they were together, they'd have races where they were completely out to lunch. And there was a whole season where they were out to lunch and they missed the playoff. So there's that. But I, that's not something I would want to have. You know, Blaney's a he's a momentum guy. I think for, for a guy who hasn't had as much productivity in the sport yet, I think that's a, something that is kind of concerning. Um, he'll have a good starting spot on on Wednesday, so hopefully they'll be able to recover. I mean, he had a good starting spot on uh, yesterday, and they did nothing. Um, they, the Penske cars in general weren't there. The the Boyer you mentioned, he got stage points in both stages, but his car was crap in the last run. But I think he's more worried about going to TV anyway, so it doesn't really matter to him. Uh, but I think the the one to really be concerned about would be Blaney because of the inconsistency, which has kind of been a trend which is with his entire career, whether he was in the 21 car or now in the 12, uh, and now he has a second crew chief. I think that would be the one I would be concerned about. 
game for Priest to get the poll. I feel bad for Bubba personally, but, you know, Priest gets the poll on Wednesday, so we'll see. They had a car that was up there at times. He should have finished better than 20th, honestly. Uh, the, the 20th place finish is an indicative of what Priest's car was at times during the day. For sure. And, and I agree with you as far as Delaney, you know, he's a very talented driver. I think he's proven that. Um, but he doesn't have the wins that a lot of people thought he would have yet in the Cup Series. And, you know, they make a move at Crew Chief this year. He gets Paul Wolf, uh, or excuse me, Todd Gordon, I should say. Todd Gordon. And, um, you know, they, they, he's won a championship, Todd Gordon. So it's you sit there and you look at it and you go, he's got to prove himself this year. Logano's got a couple of wins to fall back on. He's got a win this year to fall yeah. back on. So, you know, it's not as desperate for him, but Blaney certainly a guy you got to look at um, moving forward about everything. And, and, you know, you talked about um, on Wednesday's race, and let's get, let's get into that and see, discuss what we think we're going to see. And let me give you the starting lineup. And if you're familiar with how the starting lineup was created for Wednesday's race, uh, you know, and if you're unfamiliar with the whole process, so they're going to run a 300-kilometer race at Darlington on Wednesday night. Um, that's two days from now. So they've taken the top 20 from Sunday's race, inverted it, and taken the bottom 20 from Sunday's race and inverted it and given the top 20 and bottom 20 of each field. So Ryan Priestley finished 20th, sets the, takes the pole. Ty Dillon finished 19th, starts second. Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Bubba Wallace, who um, finished in the 21st position, will start 21st. Cole Custer, 22nd. So they didn't invert them. I apologize there. Um, so, you know, when you look at it, they just inverted the top 20. Uh, but a very uh, it's going to be a very interesting race to me because of that fact that, you know, you have some guys up there, not, no, hopefully no disrespect to Priest, Ty Dillon. They don't really lead a lot, uh, and they're not in front a lot. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what those teams do with a little bit of track position. I'll tell you who I'm more excited about with the track position is Tyler Reddick now that he's actually starting closer to the front than he did last 27th on Sunday, and now he's starting 14th. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what those guys can do with track position. position. Can they keep it? Uh, can they stay up there and get in the clean air? Once they get in the clean air, will their cars handle a little bit better? I'm curious to see uh, what teams are going to do. We know Kevin Harvick is bringing the same car he brought on Sunday a lot of teams are bringing different cars. I'm sure if you didn't, you know, if you're Team Penske, aside from maybe Kozlowski, every team's probably bringing a new car because you ran poorly. Um, but some of the smaller teams, I'm sure, are going to have one car, the same car turning over. So I'm curious to see how that, really how the race is going to go. I mean, um, do you view this race, Philip, as sort of an extension uh, of Sunday's event to where, you know, it's pretty much the same. Obviously, it's going to be at night, a little bit cooler temperatures. That's going to play into it some. But do you feel this is sort of a extension of what we saw on Sunday, uh, or is this sort of a completely different race in your mind? What are your thoughts? I think it's going to be. I'm going to take. I'm going to go in between. I'm going to say it's a hybrid. I think when they when you race at night, I I look at what they're going to have to use. They're going to use their sim and all that stuff. But you have to look at probably the second, the probably the second half or uh, they have, if you make the first, you, you talk about the first hundred laps during the Southern 500 is usually during the daytime. And then the rest of the race 
is whatever, which is what amounts to the 400 miles. In that sense, it's in dark versus in the day. There might be some comers and goers with that. Track position definitely is going to play a role. Uh, I do see Joey Logano after basically being nowhere yesterday, being taking the lead early, similar to what Brad had. And I don't know what him and Paul Wolf will do, but they that when they were together, meaning Brad and Paul, they had a good run going in terms of great finishes there. All the Penske cars are up front, even Matthew Benedetto. They're all in the top eight. So there could be a Penske-centric uh, start to the race in terms of up to the 30-lap caution. I think Matt Kenseth is probably going to make some moves because he's a little more comfortable and the 42 team has something to work with. And hopefully Chad yeah. Johnston doesn't, Chad Johnston doesn't go and adjust him out of, out of the race as he's liable to do. I do think that the Toyotas will have a better run because over these last, however many years at night, at Darlington, Toyotas have been able to stand out. And so I would expect the Truexes and Jones and Bush and uh, and Hamlins of the world to kind of move up and uh, do what they have to do. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight if you want to join. Uh, Lee in Virginia is on the line. Hello, Lee, what do you want to discuss tonight? Good evening, guys. Let's talk a little bit of Darlington and what I saw and uh, what I expect for tomorrow and or on Wednesday. Go ahead. Sorry. What do you think you're going to uh, see? You know, I, on I, Wednesday? I think you guys made good points. You guys made good points about uh, you know the Gibbs cars. I think they're definitely going to come with something a little bit better than they had, uh, especially Kyle Busch. I thought you know I know he had some trouble there, but he didn't have anything as well uh, at all. I, I heard James Small do an interview tonight. Truex is crew chief. All four of the Joe Gibbs Racing teams are going to bring brand-new race cars to the track. I would also think that would include the Levine Family Racing number 95 team as well. So uh, they're bringing something new to the track, but Harvick's keeping the same race car. Um, I think you're going to see much more diverse field on Wednesday night than you saw on Sunday just because we have a whole bunch of racing under our belts already without practice um, and and so that, that was sort of a practice for Wednesday night's race, the 400 miles we saw on Sunday. I think you're going to see a lot more teams uh, be competitive than we saw them be on Sunday uh, after that race and, and using the setup notes from that race rather than just from last year's Southern 500. Yeah, I tell you what I'm curious to see is when that, you know, Philip mentioned it a little earlier, when that competition caution comes out, you know, I, I think everybody pretty much took advantage of it. And, and they're going to take advantage of it, too, here, because you freeze your field no matter what. But, um, you know, will teams get a little bit more aggressive with their setups? If not, you know, it, to me it's almost unnecessary when you run back-to-back races to have that caution, that competition caution, the way they're going to have it. Because, like we said, you know, you run all those races. Now, I know there's no practice, but you run all those laps, and it was just three days ago. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. Um, as far as teams making crazy adjustments like we saw with the, the 19 car um, to where all of a sudden their car just got suddenly a lot better after the competition caution. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see as drastic differences between the first 30 laps and the next run. 
Um, but, you know, what, as far as, what do you think we, um, uh, what we're going to see in the Xfinity Series race? I mean, uh, I, I know that race is coming up on Tuesday, tomorrow night, um, for everybody listening. But what do you think about the Xfinity race? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but just real quick, if you could chime in on the Xfinity race. Well, I think you always have to watch the Gibbs cars. Um, obviously, we saw that early in this season when the season was starting. Harrison Burton looks good. Uh, even Brandon Jones, who I don't think is much of a driver, looked very good as well. And then there's Riley Herbst. But um, I think those are the cars, obviously, that are going to be the ones to watch. Chase Briscoe. And, and then I'm, I'm still intrigued on what I saw from Ryan Seek's team. They seem to take a, the next step this year, that 39 car. Uh, they took the next step early on in the year. I want to see if they can keep that going here uh, as the season picks back up because, to me, that was a very intriguing storyline. And, and if he continued to run like he had ran, I think he could go to victory lane a couple of times this year. We'll see if they can keep that going, uh, you know, through the pandemic and, and coming back here after that long layoff. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Lee, thanks so much for joining the show tonight and uh, giving your thoughts. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and that leads us to the Xfinity race, Philip, that I want to I bring up next. It's a Toyota 200. It is scheduled for Tuesday night. We hope the weather holds off there at Darlington Raceway because I know that there's some projected that the weather is not going to be great there. But the Xfinity race is tomorrow night. Uh, if you're not familiar, if you're not, you know, you missed it, uh, Noah Gregson's on the pole. They drew for the starting lineup for the Xfinity race. Uh, Michael Annette starts second. Dennis Justin Haley, Ryan Sieg, Riley Herbst, Brandon Brown, Austin Sindrick, Brandon Jones, Ross Chastain, and Justin Allgaier. Your top ten. A couple, a quick note from the Xfinity series. If you're into uh, the silly season or at least, you know, who's in what car, uh, the number six of um, David Starr is no more. B.J. McLeod's going to be driving that car on Tuesday uh, at Darlington because uh, David Starr's sponsorship fell apart. He had a full-time deal drive for J.D. Motorsports this year, but sponsorship due to COVID-19 has fallen apart, so he will no longer be part of that organization moving forward. Um, so if, you, if you're curious to why B.J. McLeod's in the car instead of um, – David Starr, that is why. But what do you think we're going to see on Tuesday night? I know we haven't seen the Xfinity Series in action in it seems like forever. Um, what do you think we're going to see tomorrow night, and, and who do you think is going to be fast? And let me ask you this. You know, uh, when we looked at the season before the year, a lot of people pointed to that 10 car, Ross Chastain, as somebody who's going to be competitive. You know, who could forget his run here in the Xfinity Series a few years back at Darlington when he was battling uh, with Kevin Harvick there? and got into a wreck but was, was battling for a win, really, at the end of those races, uh, at the end of that race. Do you think, you know, him not being in a cup car will translate pretty well for for him? And, and who do you think should be fast uh, altogether on Tuesday? Yeah, I think the focus coming back to the colleague team uh, now that he'll be in a secondary role driving – the 77 car or whatever car amongst that whole uh, Rick Ware uh, conglomeration, uh, it will probably help Ross Chastain a lot more. I think uh, colleague was pressed to try to run two cars full-time, and it showed early in the season. I think they've, albeit, you know, I don't know how much building they did before, everything stopped, but 
it's a it's an opportunity for not only himself but Justin Haley to kind of set a tone. I think Ryan Sieg getting having the track position early in that race, uh, he has an opportunity uh, with that small effort there. And Brandon Brown, who's that guy who's trying to play that number 12 spot in points as an opportunity. But in the end, I think everything starts at row six. I think the battle is going to be between Chase Briscoe and Harrison Burton. I think they're the two best cars in the series this year. Um, I would venture to say they're probably the two best drivers in the series. And I think in the end, albeit 200 miles, it's a very short race. They've always said it going back to before I was alive. Um, Cream rises to the top at Darlington, and I figure those two cars are going to be up there uh, at the end of the day. Uh, There's probably figure Hemrick and Alfredo will probably make a run up there, uh, the 61 car. Kyle Busch is in, in the race too, so they have some entertainment value there. He'll be starting uh, 26. So I figure the cameras will be on Kyle Busch because Fox uh, and the Xfinity <laughs> and everything loves Kyle Busch. So that, I I mean, what, what might end up happening is Kyle Busch ends up winning the race, but in terms of the actual Xfinity championship, it, it really is about row six and seeing what happens there. Yeah, I don't know what you're thinking, though. Yeah, and I think I'm going to take bets here. Anybody uh, want to have a fun, you know, uh, prop bets? Maybe bet on what lap Cobbush gets the top ten, lap six, seven. Uh, he seems to, <laughs> to find his way to the top ten pretty easily in this Xfinity series. Uh, but that is something, you know, starting 26 is shocking to see just because we never see him start 26. Either he goes to the rear because he fails inspection or he's in the top five starting so he yeah. never starts back there so it is going to be a little interesting to see i'm sure uh he'll he'll dispose of, of some of the other cars there uh that are in front of him that really aren't that competitive pretty easily but you hit on a lot of good points chase briscoe definitely got to keep an eye on harrison burton ryan sieg of course had a great year so far uh the gibbs car is always something to keep an eye out for justin all guys a veteran he does a great job uh junior motorsports seem to have at least when the season started seem to have a little bit of, of a better speed in that seven car in, in, in that organization altogether. So we'll see uh, if, if they can put it all together and have a, and have a solid day. Curious to see what Moffitt does. Remember, Brett Moffitt's in the O2 uh, again this week. Um, you know, that's the hour motorsports Chevrolet, uh, and he's coming off uh, a couple of broken legs, a broken leg and, and a couple other broken bones after an accident that would have taken him out for a long time. Uh, had we not been in the COVID-19 pandemic, but f- lucky for him, you know, he did it right as this, as um, the the season shut down, and he was able to, uh, con- you know, not miss a race, and he's able to continue the season as normal, running for points in the truck series, not running for points here, but I'm curious to see how he bounces back as well. Daniel Hemrick, of course, you got him in the Poppy Bank Chevrolet. That's a junior motorsports car. Interested to see what really happens in that Xfinity Series tomorrow, if it gets in. Of course, uh, Wednesday, Cup Series. We'll be back here Thursday, breaking it all down here on Talking Circles. Uh, We have the Xfinity Series race, then the Cup Series race. We'll break it all down, discuss it, and and look forward to Charlotte, which is, you know, as crazy as this is, Charlotte on Memorial Day weekend 
is going to be the same. We have uh, a bunch of racing going on there. Tuesday night, the trucks. We have a Monday night Xfinity race, Sunday night cup race, and then another Wednesday night cup race. So a lot of racing at, at Sherman Motor Speedway. We'll preview all that and discuss it more on Talking in Circles here on Thursday. Uh, have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.